Well, hey, a couple of months ago, uh, my wife Jennifer and I uh, had kind of a, a change in our home in which uh, the person who was kind of helping with child care, helping us balance it the best, uh, she was graduating from Ball State, and so we hired a, a new person whose name is Stephanie, and she's been awesome, and uh, we love her, and she's a part of our family now. But uh, something that's been new to our whole family is that when Stephanie comes, she actually has a 11-month-old little girl named Adelaide. And uh, so Monday through Friday, she brings Adelaide and helps out with the girls and stuff in the house. And uh, my youngest daughter, Shiloh, has never been the big sister before. So uh, being the big sister, she just tries to take over everything. And so whenever Adelaide, like that kid never even has to move, you know, uh, Shai's just taking care of her. She helps, uh, you know, hold her and she feeds her and uh, she uh, makes sure that she's taken care of. And one of the biggest things they love to do is Shiloh likes to read to her. And uh, we have a picture uh, at library time at the library. Uh, Adelaide really wanted to get down, but she wasn't allowed to because she was going to be read to. And uh, the more I thought about it, as much care as Shiloh does, like Stephanie should be paying us, you know what I mean? Or at least we should get a discount, you know, something like that. Well, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Shy, and uh, I said, how do you like, you know, Stephanie and having Adelaide uh, here? And she's like, oh, I love Adelaide. She is just such a good baby. But did you know, Dad, that babies are a lot of hard work, you know? And uh, what I wanted to say to all of our dads, all of our parents, but especially um, to be a dynamic dad, and that's what I want to focus on today, it takes just some old-fashioned hard work. And what I want to talk about is two things that if you're going to be a dynamic dad, you need to know and identify in your kids. The first one uh, is this, uh, to identify your children's needs. And you can fill that in uh, your program or on the uh, app, the JAR app as well. But dads, if you're going to be able to be consistent as a parent and to be able to truly help them to become adults that change the world, the reality is, is that you need to become a dynamic dad who can identify your kids' needs. I mean, the reality is, no matter how old they are, whether they're 2 or 12 or 22 or older than that, your kids have needs, and I want to talk about five felt needs that every single child, whether your children are old or very young, have. And uh, to help dads, since we forget that every single child wants to be nurtured. A poll came out uh, recently in which they asked elementary school children, um, what is it that you most need from your father? And the most important thing that they do for you. And by far the number one thing was to love them. That there was to be love and affection. Now, sometimes when I read these surveys, I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's true or not. So I try them out on my kids. So I asked my oldest uh, daughter, Jordan, who's 12. I just asked the question, Jordan, what's the most important thing that I can do for you? And she said, well, Dad, at night, if you can keep singing and praying for me, I think that's like the most important thing. And... If you could rub my back and feet, that would be good too. 
Well, folks, you see what was shown is that she wants love and tenderness, and kids do as well. We all need to be nurtured. Now, if you're married and you're a dad, the most important thing you can do to show nurture to your kids is to show love and affection to your wife. And if you're a single dad, and we've got a lot of single dads here, and we're glad you're here, that if you're a single dad, the most important way you can show nurture is how you love and care for your mom, your sister, a girlfriend, and even the way you treat the ex in your life. Also, uh, let me just say that dads, it's very important for each of you to show appropriate loving touches to your kids. Now, there are many times where there are inappropriate touches. Those are always wrong. They should never happen. But loving appropriate touches are important for children to receive. Recently, my um, wife, Jennifer, was washing the dishes, and the girls were eating breakfast. And uh, I came downstairs, and I walked into the kitchen, and I put my arms around her, and I bent her over my knee, and I gave her a big honk and smooch. Right in front of the girls. I mean, next month, we're going to be married 25 years in the Passion Flame and the Bunch household. Thank you. And the Passion Hold and the Bunch household is still on fire, okay? So I don't let that loose. Well, as I'm doing kind of the bend and I kiss, I look to the corner of my eye, and my youngest daughter, Shiloh, is there. She has this great big smile on her face, and she's like, Dad, Mom, I love when you kiss each other. You should kiss each other more. And I'm like, okay, that's done, you know. No problem. And uh, in the same way, my oldest daughter, who's a tween now, she's 12, um, she didn't have any compliment for us at all. But she was smiling, and then she just kind of rolled her eyes. Folks, if you're married... The best way for your kids to know whether or not you're a nurturing, affectionate person is how you do that with your wife. Another way to uh, nurture your children is to listen to them. I read this uh, quote this week uh, uh, from an adult child about her dad, and this is what she said. When I think about my dad, I see a giant of talking at me. Fathers, I want to ask you a hard question this morning, but it's one that you have to answer for yourself. How good of a listener are you? When it comes to your kids, how good of a listener are you? For many of us, our pace is such at a supersonic pace that we, we go and we kind of have the pedal to the metal and we're at work and we're doing all the work stuff and we finally get home for dinner, and we fly in at kind of a Mach 10 kind of pace. And then our daughter kind of gives us a long dissertation about the recital outfit that she's going to wear. Or our son talks to us about the latest level he got on Fortnite, and uh, then he explains all the levels before that. And because we're not listening, we either say it out loud or with our bodies, we have a sense of saying, Would you please speed this up? I have important things to do. And dads, when our kids are sharing something that is important to them, it has to be important to us. That's when we have to change the gear, put it in neutral, and listen to where they're 
legacy will not be based upon how much money you have. It will not be based upon how much uh, retirement or possessions you have, but your legacy will be based upon your kids. Peter said these words, one of Jesus' closest followers, Nurture the flock of God that is your responsibility. Dads, your kids are your flock. And ultimately, they are your responsibility. Dads, your kids are the ones that you have to nurture and listen to. And even if you're a mom here today, or you're a single mom, these things apply in the same life. So are you doing that? Are you listening to your kids? Or when your kids are around and you've listened for a while, you pull out this little device and you start doing all kinds of things rather than listening to them. When the TV's on, are you more focused on the show that you're watching than it is connecting with them? That's the first need you must meet is to know how to nurture your kids and to listen to their hearts. The second E, uh, or the first E, stands for encouragement. So we need nurture, and the second thing we need to give to our kids is encouragement. Every single child has a real need to be encouraged. And dads, we need to be our kids' biggest cheerleaders. We need to be the ones who say, you can do it. You can handle this. You've got this. You can cheer them on. I was just thinking, in a couple of months, uh, all of our televisions, for many of us, will be filled with NFL football games. And as we're watching the game, it won't just be the players, but they'll cut to the cheerleaders as well. And one of the things that I've found whenever I've watched uh, cheerleaders in the NFL, they are oblivious to the game. What they are focusing on is keeping all of the fans kind of, you know, into the game. And in the same light, when our kids are in front of us, dads, the most important thing you can do is to know how to cheer them on. And when they fail, when they mess up, when they don't make it, we need to be the first ones who are there that say, get back up, do it again, we're for you, we're in your corner. That's encouragement. Gary Smalley and John Trent wrote a book a few years ago called The Hidden Value of a Man. And they share a story about a five-year-old little boy who walked up to his father and simply asked this question, Hey, Dad, will you go out and play ball with me? And the father looked straight into his face, of this little boy, and said, I'm your dad, not your friend. Go out and play ball yourself. And 40 years later, this man wasn't five anymore. He was 45, and he was in intense therapy, dealing with the words that his father had said to him. Dads, your words are very, very important, and they're powerful. Scripture tells us this about our words. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and what's the next word? Healthy. Like, it's healthy for the body. The words that you use, Dad, wherever you're at, it actually brings health to the body of your kids. Several years ago, I was talking to a couple of women, and the topic of parenting came up. And uh, I just asked him, I said, hey, uh, you know, when it came to encouragement, what was uh, it like in your house? And uh, the one uh, 
woman said, well, honestly, I never got any words of encouragement at all. And I was like, oh, man, it's so sad. And I was thinking, well, the other lady will say, you know, she had some. And just kind of nonchalant, she said, yep, me too. And they just went on, these adult women, talking about how there had never been words of encouragement in their house. And I said, never? And they said, well, maybe on our birthday or a special occasion. But most of the time, we never got that, especially from our dad. You know, dads and all parents, this is what I want to say. Say encouraging words, especially grandparents, too. Say them a hundred times. Say the words 500 times. Say them a thousand times. And then when you're done with that, do it 10,000 times. Jason, I love you. Mike, you are such a great kid. You are my buddy. Julie, you're so precious to me. I just love you so much. Heather, you bring more joy to me than any human heart could imagine. Matt, if I could custom design a little boy, I would make him just like you. I would choose you every single time. If there's a billion kids, I'm choosing you. Words, they're powerful. And kids need to be able to hear them regardless of the age. Almost every single Sunday night, I usually get a phone call about 6 or 7 o'clock at night from my dad. And he usually calls, and I call it the cheerleading talk. He calls me, and in the background is typically my mom, and he will call and he'll go, Chris, great teaching, it was awesome, you did such a good job. God really used you today, I'm so proud of you. And I mean, even at the times in which I bomb, and everybody knows I bomb, okay? And uh, he knows I bomb, that he still makes the calls. And sometimes when I say something stupid, which in the next few minutes, that might happen. Um, you know, even when I say something stupid, he actually will call and he'll go, oh, you did a great job. And when it has been kind of not such a good Sunday, my mom in the background will yell out real loud, huh, you did much better than your dad. He bombed worse, you know. I love that woman so much more than him. Well, today, folks, I'm turning 28. Okay, 48, okay. I had people actually clap in the first. Some of you didn't clap. We know who you are. Um, But uh, I'm 48 today, and I'll tell you what. Even being 48, it never gets old for me to have encouragement from my parents. The second E of our acrostic is the word example. Example. We nurture, we encourage, and we want to provide an example. Most children, folks, have a desire for a uh, male adult authority figure in their life. And if you're a dad, guess who it is? It's you. You know, dads, when it comes to the workplace, we are trained often to kind of swallow our emotion and to not show weakness to other people. We are trained to lead kind of by edicts rather than by example. We are at a supersonic pace when we're going to work and doing all that, and sometimes when we get home, we're worn out, and we have a tendency to start barking out orders or managing the exact same way we do in the workplace, giving proclamation. But the Bible says that we are just to be the opposite. First Peter 5.2 says this, lead them by 
by your own good, what's the next word? Example. Peter writes this to the church, telling the the, uh, pastors to lead that way. But it's the same for those of you who are dads. You are to lead your flock. It's your responsibility. And you are to lead it with a good example. Dads, what would happen in your home if you walked in and you just told your children, son or daughter, I want you to treat your mom just like the way I treat her. Pray like I pray. Lead like I lay. Forgive the way that I forgive people. Use the kind of language that I use. Love God like I love God. If you were to do that, what would come out of your kid's mouth? What would their thoughts be? What would their process be? What kind of example would they be? And if it's something that you're like, man, that's not me. I'm not controlling some of those things. Then it's up to you as a father to know how to do that. Are you living a Christ-like example when it comes to your kids for them to follow? Well, we have our uh, acrostic with uh, nurture and then with encouragement and example. And the D stands for discipline. Discipline. Now, the reality is most parents do not like to talk about this word. And yet I want you to know that discipline is a huge need for kids. Now, you might be thinking, really? Like kids want discipline? Yeah, they really do. Kids want to know what the boundaries are, where the lines are. And if we don't have those, they will push and push and push until they find it. And then finally, if a parent says that's enough, stay within these boundaries, that's when it will happen. But I want you to know that for both of my girls and every single toddler I know, there will come a day in which they stand up with their hands crossed and say, I'm large and in charge and I'm controlling this house. And if you haven't experienced that yet, wait, it's coming. And it will happen throughout their time they're in your house. Now, when we discipline, the reality is we are to discipline always in love. And how do we know that? Because that's what we receive from our Heavenly Father. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, The Lord disciplines the one He, what? He loves. God disciplines us for our what? For our good. In other words, He only disciplines those He loves, and He does it for our good. Now here's the truth, uh, to be honest. Every time God has disciplined me in my own life, it did not feel good. And it wasn't nice at the time. But I can look back to see uh, when those times have happened in my life. And I'm like, God, I'm so grateful that you disciplined. Because you loved me. And because you had something better. You did it for my good. Dads, we've got to have discipline. And the best way to do that is to draw very clear boundaries and lines in the way that we lovingly connect with them. And we tell them, hey kids. If you go across this line, there will be consequences for it. Now the problem is is that there are many dads that when it comes to discipline, I call them Etch-A-Sketch dads. Do you remember what an Etch-A-Sketch is? Uh, We have one here. 
And, you know, you make your lines and your boundaries and everything's there. But sometimes dads will draw a line and a boundary and they'll say, hey, little Logan, don't go further than this. Lily, don't go further than this. And then all of a sudden they'll get some pushback from their kids and they'll actually cross the line. And what do the dads do? They shake it off. And now all of a sudden the kid doesn't have any idea exactly where that line is and they make a new line. When you're constantly drawing lines, dads, and you're shaking it off because you want to be the one that they like the most, you are creating all kinds of issues in your house and there's no consistent discipline. So dads, you need to be able to determine the parameters and the boundaries and the reason you do this is because you love them. Here's what Scripture says concerning discipline in Ephesians chapter 6. It says this, Fathers do not provoke. In other words, uh, you know, don't create more issues for them. Don't nag at them. Uh, don't do it in such a way that your children turn to anger. But bring them up. That phrase uh, in the Hebrew, bring them up, actually means to nourish, to nurture. You are to encourage them in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, I'm going to show you kind of a picture of this this morning by having a dad and daughter come out, um, who is uh, Jay and Rachel Harold. And as they come out, let's uh, welcome them uh, to come. Now, uh, Jay is a uh, fantastic dad, and uh, Rachel's such a wonderful young woman, and I've been able to know them for about 13 years, and uh, I've been able to see her kind of grow up and uh, see Jay parent her uh, in the midst of this. Now, Jay is not a perfect dad, right, Rachel? Yeah, there you go, okay. And, uh, you know, Rachel is not a perfect daughter, right? Okay, but uh, she's more perfect than Jay, okay. And um, now, what I want to show you is that as a father, Dad gives you, uh, or God gives you tools. So as a father, you have tools that you receive. And so I'm going to kind of demonstrate this if you kind of turn face to face. Now, the whole point of a father is to be able to chisel uh, the things away from their kids so they look like the masterpiece that God created them to be. Now, when she was in high school, you might have wanted to take her out, Jay, but let's not, let's not do that. But what I want you to notice, so continue to do this as I continue to talk, that the reality is, whoever your kids are, you need to be able to know how to sculpt and shape them into the masterpiece that God created them to be. Now, the problem is, is that there are going to be times in which your kid is not going to want to be shaped that way. And they're going to be like, come on, Dad, um... Why are you doing this? This is unfair. This is ridiculous. This isn't the way I want it to be. But just remember that God has given you tools to help your kid to look to be the one that God has created them to be, to be the master. So, let's give a hand to Jay and Rachel uh, for doing that for us. Thanks, God. Because if you've ever noticed a sculpture, they don't go in there and just like, start bam and every time it doesn't work they're constantly working to create it to look like the masterpiece that's in their mind okay the last s 
uh, is spirituality. Um, nurture, encouragement, example, discipline. And the last letter is the letter S, which is spirituality. Children need their father to be a spiritual leader in the home. It doesn't necessarily mean that the mom can't walk with that and they do it together and there's times when it happens. But dads, you have to step up if you want them to be able to follow the example that God has given to you. Now dads, let me just kind of ask straight up though, because this is the question that many of you are probably already asking yourself. What kind of spiritual leader am I? I mean, when it comes to you, where you're at right now, in your home, what kind of spiritual leader are you? You can't give your children something that you don't have. And so if you're not self-feeding, if you're not taking the time to be able to bring your kids to church on a regular basis, if they don't see you opening up a Bible, praying, doing that kind of stuff, they don't get the model that they need. Now I'm not talking about religion or rules or rituals that you kind of go through, but I'm talking about this relationship that you can point them to because you're connected with as well. You know, as a pastor, one of the things that often happens is when uh, marriages and families are uh, having some struggles, the dad eventually will reach out to me and they'll say, Chris, you know what, my family's a mess. My wife's just nagging all the time, the relationship isn't good, and our kids are not following in the right direction. And sometimes uh, it's just stuff that happens. But a lot of times it's the dad who's actually being rebellious himself. And it's simply affecting the family. So what I want you to understand, dads, is that you are called to be an umbrella for your family. I think we have a picture of it. That you are an umbrella keeping away what the rain is, which is sin that comes in and creates discomfort for the family. Now, each time sin hits a family, what happens is there's a hole that is created. And again and again, if we don't do something with these holes, Satan will continue to rain down and rain down and rain down on the umbrella as it goes straight through and it drips in. And your sin and my sin as dads, as fathers, if we do not correct it immediately, it affects our family. And so what we have to do is be patchers. We have to be able to patch the sin that comes into our life through the power of God so that things are not affecting our families. Now the reality is, my umbrella of my life and my family as I help to lead them looks like this. There are times in which I've said something, done something, um, was not very sensitive or kind, and all those things happen because of me. And all of a sudden, because of my sin, it starts to drip on them. And I need to be the first one as the man of the house to be able to ask for forgiveness quickly, to be able to reach out and care and do those kind of things. That the importance, folks, is not how many patches you have on your umbrella, but do you care about the people underneath you so much that you'll move heaven and earth to make sure that your sin does not affect and overcome So a dynamic dad needs to know the needs. The second thing a dynamic dad needs to know is the gifts. You've got to know your kids' gifts as well. Now, 
the same way to kind of help us, I just want to give a kind of rapid fire style acrostic on gifts. The G kind of stands for God given. That God has given you a gift. Every single time, if you're a dad and you see your children, you should imagine this big box gift that God gives to you with a card to dad from God. Our children are a gift to us by God and We are called to find their unique gifts and to support them. And you've got to remember, especially in the days in which they're back-talking or they're not obeying, or if you have adult children and they're making horrible choices, even then, just grit your teeth. They're my gift. Okay? Um, Because those things will happen. And during these times, you have to stop and remember that they truly are a gift from God. To stop and say, Lord... Right now, I don't understand them. They're driving me crazy, and I can't hardly deal with it, but they are still a gift from you. The second kind of piece of the acrostic for gifts is investment. That you have to give an investment, a large block of your life, to your kids if you want to see it. I've got to invest my life. I've got to invest my energy. I've got to invest my effort. You know, A lot of times, dads will spend tons of time at work, and they'll invest a lot of energy and effort to do the best they can, and we have some of the hardest working dads here at the JAR. And at the same time, sometimes they'll spend a lot of time and energy kind of focusing on what is after their life. How can I invest in my kids after that? And I was just thinking, what if we took all that energy and that effort, and we only took about half of it, and we said, I'm going to put that same kind of thing into my kids, what would it look like? Now let me tell you something about investment, though. That if you do it from when they're very small all the way through, it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, but there will be a payoff. And the payoff's worth it. A few years ago, I was officiating at a wedding in which uh, the couple was uh, a wonderful Christian couple. The dad was walking down his daughter down the aisle, and uh, they got ready to... Uh, give the kiss and to give her away, and all of a sudden you saw these tears just pouring down this dad, something that I have a feeling that's going to be happening to me soon. Um, maybe not too soon. 39. How about that? Um, but it's going to happen. And uh, in the same light, I looked over to the groom's dad, and uh, he was crying as well. And the thing is, when I looked at the tears and the emotion and the sacrifices that they made, I didn't see all of that. But I saw an investment. And dads, that could be you one day. And my question is, are you invested? Here's the uh, next part of the acrostic, which is focus. Focus. There are so many kids that have a really hard time focusing. I'll hear, hear parents all the time, stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. And the way you do that is by training them. One of my favorite verses when it comes to parenting is Proverbs 22.6, and it says this, Train a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now what's interesting is that word train uh, in the Greek uh, or in the Hebrew language actually means to focus. Um, I have a couple of friends of mine who are personal trainers, and they said if you want to keep a group of people connected as a personal trainer, You have to have laser focus on them during the time that you're meeting. 
You don't go to your phone. You don't look at other people. You don't think about what you're doing next. You're focusing in on them. Their workout, helping them lift weights, to do cardio, to help them figure out what their diet might be. They are solely focused on that individual when they're a personal trainer. Dads, this is what I want you to know. You're a personal trainer for your kids. When they're in front of you, the sole focus should be, how can I help train them not to be the way that I want them to be, but the way that I want God, the way that God wants them to be. That you see the unique gift that they have as a child, and dads, sometimes what's hard is, when we see that, we're not always as excited. For example, if you're a dad and you love sports, but uh, one of your kids is not into sports at all, sometimes that can be a, a challenge, a struggle. My youngest daughter, Shiloh, is not a big sports person at all. Um, she doesn't mind it, but what she really likes is dance. And uh, very early on, I discovered this when I was her soccer coach. They were playing soccer, and she was on the defensive end, and as I'm looking to our team going toward the goal, to score a goal, I looked over to Shiloh, and she's sitting down on the ground. I looked and I yelled at her, Shy, stand up, what are you doing? She never moved. She said, Dad, when they come back this way, then I'll stand. Well, what I found out was that her unique gifting and personality was not sports and competition, but what she loves is dance. She loves to entertain. She loves to be an actor. It's just like her mother, always wanting to be on the center stage. I just don't understand. If you know me at all, you're like, nope, that's not true. Um, but uh, one of the things that I've learned with Shy is that I ignore sports when we're connecting together. And we embrace the arts the best way. So a few weeks ago, uh, Jordan had a soccer game, and uh, Jen actually went to it. And uh, I decided that I wasn't going to the game because it was Shiloh's recital for Cinderella. And I was the only dad in the front row as we watched Cinderella uh, uh, perform. I think we have a picture uh, of the two of us after that. But this is what I've learned, is that I need to help her find her unique gifts rather than focusing on what I like and what I enjoy. And I've found that it's just as important at home. So when we're at home... Um, we dance, and uh, I've learned how to dance and do different things, and uh, she wants me to be the person that holds her for her ballet recital when she's a senior in high school. She said, Dad, can you do that? And I'm thinking, I hope my back will make it, you know? So if you have anything to pray for, you know, pray for that. And I just realized that a dad is so important to love your kids with their own unique gifts and talents and to help them along the way by cheering her on in her own interest. The T for gifts stands for time. Time is so important if you're a dad. Time is your most precious gift because you only have so much time. Dads, this is what I want you to know. You all can make more money. You can, but you cannot make more time. There is nothing that's more important than time when it comes to your children. You are giving them a portion of your life 
every time you give time. Your time is your life. That's the greatest gift that you can give to your children is your time. Dads and all parents, it's not enough just to say, hey, my kids are important. The way they understand that they're important is when you are giving time to them. Parenting takes time, it takes effort. But the way that kids know that you love them the most, you don't spell love with kids, L-O-V-E, but the way that you spell it, uh, from Rick Warren, he often says that you spell it T-I-M-E. People know that you love them the most when you give them the most time. Last kind of piece of our acrostic is significance. The way you identify your kids' gifts is to understand their significance. And when you see their significance, then you see significance in yourself. And there is something that beautiful that's beautiful that happens between children's between children and dads when that happens. And this is what I know. That if you'll kind of identify their needs and you identify their gifts, that one day you'll be just like those two dads were who were at the the, uh, wedding that I officiated at. And when they walked up, that they were able to be filled with emotion and love because they weren't perfect dads. But they identified the needs of their kids, and they knew their gifts. I just want you to know today that if you're a dad, that God is so proud of you. And He is your dad, your heavenly Father. And He looks down, and He says that I'm with you, and I'm for you in your journey as a dynamic. You know, I was thinking about it this week that maybe for some of you dads you're sitting there today and you've never really made a commitment to Christ before. Or maybe you're a dad who comes to church and you do the church thing, but when it comes to helping to spiritually grow your kids, you haven't really thought, hey, how could I maybe up my game to read the Bible to pray to do something like that? And I was just thinking today that for each of our dads, that if you're kind of in one of those places, that maybe today is the day where you go to your good, good father, you go, I'm ready for there to be something different in the way that I parent my kids. I need you to guide me. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace in my life. And I just want to say, dads, that if you're a dad today, you've not made a commitment to Christ, what are you waiting for? Because the reality is, we are not guaranteed tomorrow. Not with our kids, not with our spouse, if you're married, not with anything else. And the only way that you can spend eternity with God and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and with your kids by making a commitment today, if you're ready to simply say, you know what, I'm ready to give my life, or maybe you're here today as a dad, you're like, you know what, I need to man up now. I need to follow some of these things to recognize their needs and their gifts. I invite you to simply pray this prayer after me. It's not a prayer that uh, we pray alone, but it's a prayer that we pray together in unity. So please join.
join me all praying God thank you for sending Jesus to save my life Jesus forgive me make me brand new I believe you died and rose again so I can live with you fill me with your spirit so I can know you serve you and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it